0: another episode of thick and thin hoops where ball is always life i'm your host karthik here with my co-host nathan what's good nathan
1: what's up man i feel i feel uh 12 percent uh you know more energetic this week than last um schedule's gotten a little better uh sleeping through the night you know so that's a that's a big plus i think last time we were in the throes of the once or twice a night wake up but feel i'm feeling good man like I, I every day is a ball of frustration unto itself. But at the end of the day, I know I can go to bed, knowing Noobs is going to have to get up and do the morning shift, and so that that <laughs> makes me happy.
0: Well, I'm glad you're doing better. So they say one human year, is seven dog years.
1: Yeah. So but so one two, two weeks dog weeks. Now, are it, you... Yeah, two dog weeks are uh, no, 100 human years for me. <laughs> 100 human years.
0: I was going to say, is this the equivalent of being like 14 weeks in with the baby? You got the hang of it now. It's still not easy, but...
1: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Because he is uh, 12 weeks old, right? So I guess uh, yeah. that would make right. him like over a year and a half in human years. So he's that's the real way to look at it. Because he's, if he's 12 weeks, then... I mean, a year and a half kid... Your a year and a half year old kid is still kicking your ass. Yeah. 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 And so he's exactly. still kicking my ass, but you know, I should say I got a lot of pushback for, uh, the, the declaration that I, uh, uh raising a newborn puppy was harder than a, ba- a newborn human baby. Uh, I will say this was from solely my perspective with only half, half of that experience in tow. And I think I made that clear, but just wanted to reiterate, um, in advance of my run for governor of Illinois, that that, that is something. <laughs> People going to be pulling kidding. up
0: the, this clip
1: um, from last week's pod. They could be pulling up government. a lot. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think, you know, it's funny, like a couple weeks ago when we did the trade deadline episode, everything kind of centered around, of course, James Harden for Ben Simmons. It feels... <laughs> You you were very, very pro the Sixers, Um, and I was thinking that it was, you know, both teams win, but what we both agreed on, at the very least, is they had a $35 million hole sitting on their lineup, so really all you're comparing it to is, is James Harden better than Seth Curry and Andre Drummond? Through three games, that has turned into a resounding yes, Um, but in general, the Eastern Conference is, and that's going to be the topic of today, it's so wide open, it is so deep. When's the last time the East was this dominant top to bottom in terms of the playoff seeds versus the Western Conference?
0: I can't even remember. I mean, last year it seemed like the East was a little bit deep, but um, I the last time it was like clearly the Eastern Conference being better. I don't know, man. Was it the 90s?
1: Yeah, I, I was almost like going to say. the
0: 2000s, we had the Lakers, Spurs, Suns, Mavs.
1: I was going to say, I thought it was like the Jordan Bulls, Reggie Miller Pacers, Ewing Knicks, Larry Johnson Hornets, like that era, Glenn Rice Hornets, like that era. Yeah, that definitely was then. Because after that, yeah, it was like basically unprecedented run of success for the West. Um, And the West, to their credit, still has the three teams with the best record in the NBA. So. Even despite all the hullabaloo about the East, the three best records do reside out West. But then after that, you can feel a bit of a cliff forming. Um, And then when you get to the play-in tournament, not that that's really the uh, measure of success or strength, the play-in tournament's a fucking disaster in the Western Conference. Whereas in the East, I think it's still fairly competitive and you expect to see some good teams there. But anyway, we're going to spend today going doing an eight by eight, spending eight minutes approximately on each of the top eight playoff teams. We'll go in order of seeding as of now, talk through kind of, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are and what do we think is realistically where they can expect to finish this season. But before I do that, or before we get started, I wanted to ask you a question. If you look at that Eastern Conference and you look at those eight teams, how many do you think feel right now that they have a legitimate chance to win the title? Five. Okay. I'm gonna go um, five. Miami. No, I'm sorry, four. 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 Okay. Miami. Miami. Philadelphia. Philly. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. And Brooklyn? Yep. So not Boston as as crazy as five thirty eight
0: has been touting. <laughs> no, get out of here.
1: Maybe we need to rework those formulas, and not Chicago, who, despite the rash of injuries, has stayed in the top two pretty much all year. No.
0: Okay. No, definitely. So, I mean, I've got, and and look, that's I know that's gonna be controversial. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, don't I don't have my reasons.
1: win the channel. Ch- Chicago cannot win the title, unfortunately. See, They're the question a- is not
0: who can con- who can contend or get to a conference final, or if it's who can win a championship. It's not Chicago.
1: I should say who can win the East. I don't know if that would change your answer, but okay. because last year we saw an Atlanta team that nobody picked come within a couple plays, really, of being potentially the Eastern Conference representative.
0: It wasn't that close.
1: I mean, Giannis got hurt. Series was tied 2-2.
0: It it, it took Giannis getting hurt to really give them a chance, right? So, yeah, barring anything crazy. Yeah, look, the Bulls are a good story. Barring anything crazy, I think the Heat, Sixers, Bucks, and Nets, what's different about them is they're proven. In the, they've proven in the past. They have the star power. And uh, look, as good as DeRozan has been, as good as Lonzo and Levine, I I, I just can't trust that team, especially defensively
1: yep. down the stretch. All right, well, let's get started with the number one seed in the East, a team that swung big in free agency, landing Kyle Lowry to complement Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. That is the Miami Heat. They did lose tonight in a pretty wild and unexpected game to to Milwaukee, but right now they're 41-22, seventh in offense, sixth in defense, fifth in net rating. and will beat you into submission night after night. So Miami, and I, and I guess, let me, let me, let me phrase each of these with a big question on my mind. I want to get your thoughts on. So to me, the question is, why does Miami feel like a sleeper when they just represented the East two seasons ago? I don't know. You tell me, tell, tell me and explain to me why the whole world that
0: talked about the Miami being fraudulent in the bubble and that being a Mickey mouse ring for the Lakers (laughs) Why that same oh. team is crushing it now. The, the the answer is. Kyle Lowry. There's no reason they should have been slept on. And look, Kyle, Rally, Kyle Lowry has been great for them, but there's several other reasons that this team is doing well, right? Notably, the reemergence of Tyler Hero, which we talked about earlier this year when we were discussing what six man of the year candidates. Mm-hmm. Um or most improved. I forgot what category we were talking about. Six man,
1: yeah. He's had but, that wrapped you know, up they're since getting, like November. Yeah, they're
0: getting contributions across the roster. They're getting really good shooting from a lot of players. Like Gabe Vincent. um, What's his name? Freaking PJ Tucker is like leading the league in three-point percentage. Yep. Um, they've resurrected the corpse of Dwayne Dedman. Like they're getting contributions from a very deep bench. I think that's what's different than uh, last year and even the year before. And of course, Kyle Lowry's is studying force. And, and the great thing about Kyle Lowry is they haven't needed him to score. Um, but you know he can do it. And I mean, this is just a deep team. This is a experienced team. The thing that surprised me the most is that they've stayed relatively healthy. I know they've had guys in and out of the lineup, but given their age, given you know Butler and Lowry, for the most part, they've played pretty good sizable chunk of games this year so it shouldn't be surprising to anyone but it, it is weird seeing them as the number two seed because this team feels like a four or five seed that gets hot in the postseason but not as one that's dominating the conference
1: well when you look at it they're they're sort of like uh, record is kind of the record that a lot of um teams will get to the four or five seed right they're not going to f- approaching 60 wins or anything they're not approaching high 50 so in a way because the east has been so muddled they're almost a de facto one versus like a, let me grab this by the throat one like you see in the western conference with phoenix and so i actually have no faith in the miami heat i'm going to say this right now the reason being <laughs> is what you said max Strus, gabe vincent fucking caleb martin Dwayne dedman guess how many of those players matter in april may june I'm going with maybe one and a half. Like they're going to have a couple big games from those guys. But when these minutes start ratcheting it up and your 10 and 11 man roster gets shrunk to seven or eight, it does not really matter um, how deep your bench is short of injury, trouble, injury, luck or foul trouble. And so, as much as I think Miami is just the ultimate team in terms of finding players off the scrap heap, I mean, even the LeBron Heedles teams they put around the guys they would put around that beat contributors, freaking Carlos Aurelio started in the damn finals. Like, that's the kind of pedigree that Miami has. But to me, if you look at the top end talent, as great as Bam has been, and I think Bam and Jimmy Butler currently sit either on or very close to my all NBA teams, I don't find that I trust the offense to really follow through them as much as it'll throw through Tyler hero. And that really scares me when you're going against a Milwaukee, when you're going against a Brooklyn, a Philly who all have better shot creators uh, than you do. I worry about that um, because look, you can, you can look great. Max Strews man's taken six and a half threes a game, averaging 40%. When the bright lights are on, this dude's not been in that moment. I worry where his head's going to be in like, He's not the kind of guy you want to count on. That's the Pat Connaughton role, which you would just hope to God he doesn't mess up. And I think with Miami, some of their role players have had a little bit too big of a say in how well this team has played.
0: Sure. Fine. I agree with that. But, but you're acting like their seven-man, eight-man rotation is is nothing, you know. I mean, like they're, they're, their tight playoff rotation is good. They've got a good blend of defense, of offense. You're right. Shot creation or shooters, maybe you could always use more, but... I think every East team has a, has that flaw. Like yeah. I don't think any East team is overloaded with shooters. Like Milwaukee is not the same kind of sh- blistering shooting team that they used to be. The Nets, obviously, with Simmons now, have their own kind of, you know, I know they have Seth Curry too, but it's also a little bit different for them. So I don't, I think this team is good enough defensively to overcome their shortcomings on offense. That being said, I'm not picking them, but I, I think... The fact that they have a bunch of their role players contributing now and making them look better than they might be. Like we've seen this that that rotation go to the finals two years ago. So, so I, I'm not too worried about that.
1: The word on the street is that Victor Lodipo is very close to returning and looks excellent. Um, how much stock are you putting in that? Some, none, uh, a lot. Nah, he'll be I don't know. Like I still don't
0: think he's going to just all of a sudden come back and be amazing i see him as the kind of guy who will give them some good minutes in round one but at round two round three i'm not sure he's going to be a key part of the rotation i think they're going to keep it pretty tight with um like who butler hero bam lowry robinson tucker Tucker. marquis
1: you know like those seven guys might
0: crack it but i don't
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Gabe Vincent's going to be in it, right? Because they don't really have another backup point guard. Lowry kind of moonlights as one, but I think Gabe Vincent's going to be. And, like, by the way, with Morris, like, should we address the fact that Nicole Jokic just, like, knocked this dude out for the season, potentially? Like, on a pseudo-cheap shot? Like, nobody seems to... Wait, what's his timeline? I don't know. He's missed basically 40 games. 45 games. Yeah, but does he have a timeline to return? Because I know he's not playing right now, but... I have no idea. I mean, I thought it was going to be out for like a couple games with whiplash and suddenly his neck is so banged up. He hasn't played the rest of the year, but um, the PJ Tucker addition is fascinating. One, because he was a key cog in Milwaukee, even though he didn't score, he did a lot of the dirty work and B he is the best answer that we have right now to potentially stopping Kevin Durant. By no means. Did he stop him? We saw this like with Durant's insane numbers in that playoff series. But if you remember the final stretch for Durant game seven overtime, he went like O of six or 0 of seven because he might've just been gassed at that point. And look, Tucker may or may not have anything to do with that. Like that might've just been Durant on, you know, fumes because he had to carry this, the team for seven games, but that matters uh, in these hard fought, close, you know, low scoring games. Absolutely
0: matters because the numbers Kevin Durant put up on Tucker were enormous, but the physicality that Tucker plays with and Durant's talked about this. Other players have talked about it. It wears you down. And so that's a great thing in their arsenal. And then think about it's a heat, man. You've got Butler, Tucker, and Bam, you know, can kind of seamlessly switch onto different guys. You can hide hero on defense. Um, Lowry is also stout defender. Like all these guys are strong and hard to move. So this this is one of those teams where I'm not predicting them to get to the finals, but it would not surprise me in the least if they do
1: and we've seen it happen
0: like this should not be news to anyone
1: we have seen it happen and so in that regard it's like there is a path for whatever reason we don't the you know the national media doesn't seem to be interested in supporting it which given the pedigree of the franchise given the stars that are there is i guess a little um ironic but um all right anything else on miami no all i right. think um
0: i mean they had a the bulls heat game you know the recent game was a big one to kind of and Miami throttled them. They of course, Bulls them. were missing key guys, but but still, well, like, I mean, some of these games seems... down the stretch, I'm starting. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing like how these teams kind of play against each other. So
1: yeah, I mean, tonight was another great example. Both teams went hard. Miami, though, they lost. Probably feel pretty good about the fact that they gave up the game, you know, a 21 six run down the stretch, but they had that in their pocket in Milwaukee, I believe. So. Yep. They got to feel really good. I mean, they've they're play Brooklyn tomorrow night uh and Kevin Durant makes his return yeah, after they're, they're missing they're going the to the West Gauntlet weeks. right now. No. Nope. And you got to think like if they come out of that, I like them to win that game. No Simmons, no uh Kyrie because it's in Brooklyn, so, you know, we'll see. Leads us to our next team, the Chicago Bulls 39 and 23, fifth in offense so as good as advertised offensively 18th in defense as as kind of suspect on that end as as also advertised in 12th in net rating so the story here is DeMar DeRozan's MVP candidacy I think um my big question for you is how deep can this team how far can this team get with as poor a backline defense as we've seen from them all season not that far um second round
0: I don't see them going to the conference finals. And part of it's just like, it's like a math problem, right? Or seeding problem. It's you win your first round against, you know, if you're lucky, hoping it's like the Raptors, maybe Celtics, not the Nets. And then you're going to have to play the Sixers or the Bucks, And I just don't see them getting past either one of those teams. And you mentioned it. It's the, the front court defense, Vucevic has been somewhat of a turnstile defensively. And you can have all the guard defenders in the world, but if you can't guard the rim, that is, and that's usually a hallmark of a good defense. And if you can't guard Mm -hmm. the rim, that's going to cause problems, especially against the teams you're playing in the Eastern Conference. That, and then at the same time, you know, one of the things about the Bulls is right now, they're a two seed. They've had one of the easiest schedules in the league. And they're going to go through, I think the second most, difficult schedule or third most for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And I know it's regular season if that doesn't matter, but my point is right now their record might be a little bit inflated even, right? This is, this may not even be a two seed in the reality. They've got a half game lead over the Sixers. They may settle into the five or six spot um, when all is said and done, right? Based on how these other teams are doing. So absolutely. And if the bulls are in a lower seed, don't have home court advantage, the first round may be an exit. Right. So as much as I like the Bulls story, I just don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this level of success with the difficult schedule, with their issues on defense. They're obviously have injuries right now. So um, it's going to be a little bit tough sledding for them.
1: Yeah, look, I think the Bulls, no matter how this season ends up, it's a success just given how much better it was. And I think people were predicting most most pundits had them towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference play-in mix, like in that 8 to 10 range. Except us. Except us. We both liked them. We both thought the DeRozan signing was super underrated and is like, who cares about the money if he's a good player? And I think we talked about this. We're like, I don't know that people have watched him since he left Toronto. He's a different guy. He is somehow turned. It's actually kind of incredible. In year 12 or 13, he somehow turned his um, San Antonio self into his Toronto self and brought both to Chicago because um, he's the scorer that he was in Toronto, but he's the facilitator. He's a little bit more engaged on defense. It's kind of amazing to watch, really, on a night-to-night basis, just the kind of shot-making he's coming through with. But they just don't have enough. And, like, it's unfortunate because they missed Lonzo Ball for so many games. They have missed Alex Caruso for even more games. And when they had those guys clicking, it was a different animal defensively. And they're always going to struggle if Vooch is their, you know, rim protector. We see guys like Embiid and Cat and whoever kind of just running through him because he's just not very good. They are a great defensive rebounding team because of his prowess there. I think they're seventh in the league there. But if you look at kind of even the percentage of shots he allows at the rim, it's not ideal. Um, Doesn't help that Patrick Williams is basically out all year. He may or may not come back. I wouldn't count on much. Doesn't it help that the other guys that are in their lineup that are supporting him are tweeners or pretty small, like Javante Green, Derek Jones, like these dudes, I, I just admit, like these guys are not going to fortify your rim protection whatsoever. I thought the Tristan Thompson signing was fine, but again, it's not going to move the needle. It was good signing. I mean, he already plays a lot, but it's not going to kind of rewrite history out of here. But, you know, I think Chicago is a team that they're going to have to win 134, 128 and I'm not sure that that can work in the playoffs. Uh, to your point, Philadelphia is definitely going to catch them. Other teams might as well. Best-case scenario for, for advancing a round is getting into the 4-5 with Cleveland. Um, they would probably be favored in that series, as good as Cleveland has been this year, um, just given experience. And that's the only team, I think, in the top six that I would have them favored against. And even if you look at 7-8, and eight, they're not going to be favored against Brooklyn and probably not against Boston either. So it's tough sledding right now if you're if you're a Bulls fan because on one hand the season brought you so much optimism, but like the dose of reality is kind of coming and it's about to be served when uh when the big boys start playing. So I love Chicago, I love watching them, but Cinderella's about to strike midnight. I think on this team. Yeah, it's the wrong year to be good, but um,
0: you know to think to talk about DeRozan like it's enough has been said about how good he's been. But it's just fun to watch. It's like, um, you know, that the mid range when it's going, it feels like Jordan, Kobe, even Kawhi, more recently. You know, when it's just automatic, yeah. and obviously the percentages he's been hitting at. You know, all the the Wilt stats about how many every games he did at over thirty five points and whatever 50% fifty percent shooting or whatever yeah. the numbers were. Um, it's you know I, I feel ha- I'm happy for him, man. He's he's a uh, He's always been a really good player, and to finally get his due is is nice. But, yeah, they're, they're not going to get much further than the second round, unfortunately.
1: Well, and to your point with the Kobe and Jordan, first of all, he's playing in the red and black, so that adds to the allure. This isn't happening in, like, Orlando. But secondly, it's the shot. It's like the... You know in 2K if you're even mildly covered if there isn't even any players on the court, you can't make the shot cuz it'll say you're too much <laughs> yeah. you're too far covered it has to be wide open. He would be missing every one of these shots in 2K. That's all I can say uh to compliment him. Like they would not allow any yeah. of these to go in and he's hitting them in an absurd clip. Just full red, full red. Yeah, every time. Um but you know, I think you know he he has been one of the most fun stories. He's got a shot at first team All NBA. He obviously started in the All Star game and was there down the stretch making crucial plays. Um, side note, I think All NBA is going to be fascinating because I think there's like seven names right now, um, for five spots and th- three or four feel three feel entrenched to me for sure, and then the other two get to battle it out. So we'll get to that another point, but. You know, the other thing about Chicago quickly, and this is a way to kind of increase variance and and sort of improve their chances. They're second in the NBA in three-point percentage, 37.4%. They're 30th, literally last in attempts. Comes back to the mid-range point, but they get good looks and they have good people shooting them, but they just don't put up a lot. And I wonder, you know, does that change with Lonzo back who takes a bunch of shots, but That's another area that you'd like to see that a little bit more just given how good they are from deep. And we know if you're a team with less talent, three point
0: three pointers only help the variance and only help your chances. Absolutely. You can't rely on that. As good as DeRozan, Levine have all been, it's going to be hard to rely on that consistently in the playoffs.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, All right. Next up, Philadelphia, the team of the year, in a way, in terms of just storylines, podcasts, articles written about, kind of news stories led on ESPN, first take, all this stuff. They are third in the East right now, 38-23. and um, They just beat the Knicks again tonight. So they've played three games with Harden and have looked incredible um, in those three games. So if you, right now they're 13th in offense, 9th in defense, 11th in net rating. That kind of speaks to the pre Harden version of this team a lot more than it does what they've been since. You almost have to throw out the season stats and really look at it. And as of now, a three game sample size. My question for you on this front Embed and Harden as a pairing, a lot of foul calls, questionable conditioning, um, not a ton of playoff moments for either. Can this be a winning formula for four rounds? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. This can be a championship team. Now, um, look, I've been a, a big Harden defender in terms of his value on the court, right? Forget about how it happened. Forget about all the the, the precedent it sets, yada, yada, yada. Two years, two teams. He, he did the same thing too. Um What Harden has unlocked with Philly is, I think... Embiid, first of all, obviously he doesn't have to play as big of a role, um, and that is the biggest problem Phillies had the last couple of years is that Embiid would get grinded down, and by the end of the season, only then is when you'd see the conditioning, or you know he'd be huffing and puffing down the floor, and he'd, he'd take worse shots. That's going to get solved with Harden kind of relieving a lot of that pressure, and it goes both ways. When Harden can just dump it to, to Embiid, and he doesn't have to create or ISO every single possession. And then the other sneaky thing that Harden's benefiting is just the overall kind of the movement and off ball movement from the team. Like Tyrese Maxi, I did not expect Tyrese Maxi to be like such a big benefactor of Harden's presence, but he mm-hmm. is like tonight. He dropped 25. Like the three of like the new big three is Embiid, uh, Harden and Maxi. And so I think the addition of Harden has unlocked kind of this Phillies offense, granted against three bad teams. And defensively, with Embiid, with Thaible, with um, you know, Tobias Harris isn't bad. You're they're gonna be fine. And you're gonna hide Harden, you can get away with that. So to me, the net is offensively, this is a juggernaut. They're gonna get better minutes out of their stars and not run any of them down into the ground. And they're still going to be okay defensively. So why can't this team win the championship?
1: So Embiid and Harden are averaging a combined 21 free throws a game this year, um, shooting at about an 85% clip in totality. So 86, actually. Um, It is going to be miserable watching this team. Um, There's no no doubt about it. It is a miserable watch. Tyrese Maxey is fun to watch. He is fun as hell. And now you actually wonder, like, how the hell do they get James freaking Harden without having to include Maxine in that deal? But nonetheless, I don't want to relitigate that whole saga. But you look at Harden, and he's a savant on the court. We've known this, like you said. His antics and sort of behavior aside, every time he steps in between the lines, and he wants to play, he is still one of the top five to ten players in this league, and he clearly wants to play here. Now, how long does the honeymoon last? I think that's what we got to see. We're still in the honeymoon. They've played the Knicks twice and the Timberwolves once. So let's wait until they play a team of the caliber that, you know, you just talked about with Miami and the gauntlet there they're running through. But I hate to say, it, I mean, like I'm not rooting for this team. I love Embiid and I just love how much better he got year after year, unlike his counterpart Simmons, who decided that wasn't for him. And I and I think that it's amazing. Uh, you, you, Dude, you look at the moves that this guy can – he literally looks like a guard. It's unbelievable. And given yeah. not just his size, but his early foot problems, back problems, like it's it's really less about being a center. It's more about the mobility and health issues we thought kind of would always plague him. But nonetheless, I think it's gonna work. But it to me, it's really maxi, right? Can Maxi create enough movement in the offense such that when they get stagnant? Because this is what happened. If you remember against Atlanta, even they got stagnant. You know, hard, like we've seen the hardened in ISOs in the playoffs. They don't work. We've seen the Embiid post ups. They start they stop working. Um, that's my concern. Can Maxi create enough? Like, he's getting a lot of open looks because of how much attention there are on two of maybe the best, uh, one on one players in basketball. If he can continue that in the playoffs, again, he's only 21 years old. We don't know what it's going to be like. But if he can continue that in the playoffs, then it adds the dimension that I think they need. Um, around those two i mean harris i'm almost writing off like a tax return at this point like he's gone um he's i can't even believe he's averaging 18 a game this year it feels like eight but um i think they'll miss seth curry's spot up shooting in place of teibel teibel might get the andre roberson treatment in the playoffs. so there's still some things to be sorted out you can't be mad at all about the three game sample that we have though i mean yeah and, and to to the point
0: about you know, Embiid and his conditioning down the stretch. You know, I I act like Harden solves all of it, but the the reality is they have no big men to back him up. Yeah. Like Millsap is terrible. They signed Willie Cauley-Stein. A lot of those big minutes are going to have to be soaked up by Embiid, and he's going to have to kind of play that role pretty heavily in the postseason. Um, So, you know, there's still questions about that. And, you know, to your point about the free throws, it's a good point because Embiid leads the league in free throws attempted. Harden this year isn't, but traditionally Harden's up there right at the top of the list. And we know what happens with free throws in the postseason. Like, it's just like clockwork every single year. Yeah. You're going to get fewer calls. And when you have, we depend, like, well, there's four or five, six less points you get from those free throws. You have to make it up some other way. And like you said, you're looking at a team that these guys have had trouble late in the postseason generating offense on their own. So, look, the questions are all there. I just think that they have enough talent and enough balance offensively, defensively, to to match up with anyone. And we've seen that. I mean, we've seen Embiid go up against Giannis. We've seen this team play the, um, the Nets. Like, they... They match up. There's no huge mismatches that have you worried, right? So I get the concerns. I just think that you have to trust the ceiling of Harden and Embiid and hope that one year it's all going to come through.
1: Well, one of the most amazing things about Harden is, despite all of the conditioning questions and everything else like that, when it comes playoff time or when it comes, like, not crunch time, he can play the whole game. So in a way they almost don't even have to worry about the staggering. They literally just have to worry about Embiid's minutes last year on a damn bum hamstring. He was dragging it around the court. Remember for 50 minutes in game seven. Um, and I know he didn't do much. He was kind of just standing around, but the fact that he was like, he was an active player in the game for that many minutes. So it was kind of amazing. And, you know, I think you made a good point. They don't really have any weaknesses going up against Brooklyn. Meanwhile, Who the hell is Brooklyn going to use to guard Joel Embiid? Because if you think their best lineup is in Simmons, Durant, and then the three shooters, you know, Kyrie plus either two of the three of Harris, Curry, and Mills, then they they can't play that lineup against Embiid. Like, especially if it's Ben Simmons guarding him. Oh my God. Like, put him in a casket and send him out of the stadium because he's (laughs) done, right? Like, that's not going to work. Which means you got to play Andre Drummond. And guess who Embiid has historically just punched in the mouth over and over over again every time they play Andre Drummond. So there's nothing that would give him greater joy other than dunking on Simmons to dunk on Drummond. So Brooklyn, not a, not a good matchup, I think, if you're the Nets. The the Bucks are interesting because Giannis and Embiid would probably end up spending a lot of time on the court as centers, may not be guarding each other a ton, like maybe you'll try a Bobby Portis or maybe by then Brooke Lopez will be back, but the, the key on that series will just be, can Drew do anything to control Harden? And if he can, that's kind of where the series will be decided. That's I, I know everyone's aiming for Bucks, or sorry, Nets Sixers because of the storylines and the fun there, and I do want that. I hope at some point we can see Nets Bucks as well. I'm sorry, Sixers Bucks as well, because I think stylistically that's the most fun matchup. That would be a good one. And then that's why,
0: like you said, if Harden is going to get locked up Um, whether it's by Drew Holiday, whether it's by Ben Simmons, they're going to need Tobias Harris to do something. And and like you said, when you said 18 points a game, I was shocked. I was like, every time I feel like I look at Philly, watch a game or look at a box score, he's not giving them anything. Um, Tyrese Maxey has been that guy who's like, you know, flirted with 20 most games. And I I don't get why. Like Tobias Harris, I've, I've always liked him more than he's actually produced. Mm-hmm. Because he's got the prototypical size, he's a he can
1: create um DC. You like the idea of him more than the I like the
0: idea of him, but I've always been a sucker for the Rudy Gay Tobias Harris types, and those guys always let you down, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can I interest you in a John Chalmers? They're great in 2K. <laughs> yeah, Johnson. <laughs> they are great in 2K cuz they don't get their shots blocked and they can just kind of shoot over the defense. Um, exactly. Yeah, no, I think I think Harris is going to be key. And then Teibel really is like how much can he stay on the floor versus having to play Danny Green because Danny Green at least gives you the three part of 3 and D. If Teibel can hit threes, then this is a different lineup. Like he's shooting 28% this year. Um, and they're going to leave him wide the fuck open in the playoffs. Like they're going to play five on four on everyone else because you do need to double Embiid and or Harden. So... They'll let Ty right. have that. He's not really a passer, so it's not like he can hurt you. Kind of coming off the dribble, it's going to be really fascinating to see how much he plays versus a Danny Green versus I don't even know like a Shake Milton or Niang. Like they have Pork like a paws. few inter- cork yeah. Like they have a few interchangeable parts. I'm not sure how they're going to deploy them and if any of those minutes are going to kill him.
0: And the other thing, do you really trust Doc Rivers? Right, like yeah, we've seen no matter what time ta- you have the postseason fails to make adjustments his teams always find a way to collapse and that's that's a thing that's a thing and i don't know and,
1: and we didn't even talk about like okay you traded drummond who was pretty good so they're gonna what go sign deandre jordan who was sailing passes into the fourth row like three days ago for the lakers like the stat that's been floating around this week which is an amazing stat is the series versus the uh the raptors the Kawhi like bouncing around shot Embiid was like a plus 91 in the series, and they somehow lost. More so that's impressive is in Game 7, the one that Kawhi gave buzzer beater. Embiid played 45 minutes. He was a plus 10. Greg Monroe played three minutes, and he was a minus minus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that, yeah. you know... <laughs> You're looking at that like, okay, I mean, Embiid as great as he's been. I know he can't log a full 48, so what the hell do we do? DeAndre Jordan is maybe the worst player in the NBA. So that's another thing to watch out for. It's small, but these are the kinds of things, like we see it all the time, you, titles are won on the edges, and this team has complete title aspirations.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's going to be something to look out for, how they manage
1: those non-Embiid minutes. but All right, all right let's move on to... The Milwaukee Bucks, who are now 38-25. and 25, um, Fourth in offense, 13th in defense, which is a pretty big departure from most of the Bud-Bucks teams, and then eighth in net, net rating. So, my quick takeaway is they've looked a little bored of late, and it looks like they're trying to get to April. Um, my question to you is, is there malaise anything more than just that, or is it a sign of potential trends that we need to be looking out for uh, as they try their title defense. It's malaise. It's, I think it's just
0: malaise. I mean, this team on paper, you know, and watching them this year, they still look, they still have a lot of the same pieces. They play a lot of the same way. The defense is concerning, but a lot of that can be solved with effort. They still got the tool, like the pieces on defense to, you know, and Giannis anchoring that, that you, you, those numbers will pick up in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I just think that, dude, this is a team that, you know, once you win the championship, this happens, this happens all the time. And not only that, they had guys play in the Olympics. And, you know, the last couple of seasons, they've had deep postseasons run, deep postseason runs, right? Um, so it's I think it's totally fine. They understand that they've got their eyes set on the bigger prize. All that being said, I think we have to remember that this isn't just your Standard dominant champ. This is a team that almost lost to Brooklyn, a hobbled Brooklyn.
1: Mm-hmm. This is a
0: team that got pushed by Atlanta. So this is a team. It, that was, it was down
1: 2-0 versus Phoenix.
0: And down 2-0 versus Phoenix. So this isn't a team that can rest on its laurels necessarily because you're going to go through the gauntlet this year in the East. So I, I think it's malaise. But all that being said, I'm not. I don't think this is like a LeBron type team where you're like, let them get the four seed and they'll figure it out in the postseason. Yep, they're still the favorites, but it's going to be dicey.
1: Yes, um, I'm actually a little bit more worried because of what you just said, and I think this is the point that a lot of people are, aren't aren't mentioning. And one of the things that we do is we allow the results to um, rewrite history sometimes, and that's what it is. History is written by the winners. I get it, but that Bucks team was on the verge of potentially trading Chris Middleton, definitely firing Coach Bud. And making a lot of changes around Giannis. So we can't go from, hey, they were almost blown up if Durant's foot was six inches back to this is a team that's a dynasty that can just rip through anyone when they feel like it. Now I know what the record is with Drew, Giannis, and Chris, but that's taken a hit too in the last couple months. Um, you saw again tonight, they kind of had to pull one you know, way deep in the bag just to get, get out of this game tonight versus Miami with the win. And as much as you know, they can crank it up and Giannis is still a top three player in the world. No question. I think there is also an element of like, are those same issues that have plagued them in the past going to come up? Shock creation, um, you know, being able to hit contested jumpers, being able to get Giannis going when the defense is keyed in on him. He had a really slow start. I know he ended up with 28 and 17 tonight because of his greatness, but he had a really slow start uh, and didn't really turn it on until late in the fourth. So, you know, there's a lot of shot makers uh in this conference right now. There's three teams that are looking at them like, we're not scared of Milwaukee. We have champions on our team. We have MVPs on our team. Um we can go we can go figure this out. Um or if not champions, you know what I mean, like guys who have made deep runs, guys who have played for it all. Um I don't know that anyone's afraid of Milwaukee. Um and that's a big big difference than hey, these are the the, the defending champs like to me, the most scary defending champs are sort of in that mold with the Kobe Shaq Lakers, right? Coming off their 3 it was like, get out of the way. They're going to dominate. They still got tested by the Blazers that one conference final. So like Milwaukee is by no means in that category. And I think, I don't know, like I'm not loving what I'm seeing from them. And I think they get too sloppy for a team that still needs to go out and, and compete on both ends every night. They don't have like the... Durant Steph kind of skill to just coast through games. Um, you know, so yeah, and then you know, the Brooke Lopez thing is still hanging over them. And I
0: know Brooke Lopez wasn't stellar last postseason, but he still played big minutes. He had single games in each series that really mattered. And I don't know what's what he's going to come back and look like when exactly he's coming back. I mean, he should be back, right? Um,
1: soon he should be back but he has like a kind of fairly serious back or nerve issue right this is the draymond green situation like we don't i mean you don't know what like even michael porter jr right there like he's gonna be back and it's like i don't know do we know that like these are pretty serious conditions that linger for a while and he's already somewhat of a stiff right i mean just the kind of
0: player he is so yeah it and you know you slow him down even more you don't want him to become unplayable off the court and then what's your demarcus cousins is he gonna get big minutes?
1: He's uh, not even on the team. I was just about to say, I don't know why they got rid of him. He's on Denver now.
0: Oh, God, I forgot he's on Denver. What am I saying? But, yeah. but it's a
1: fair he's... point. Like, why did they cut him? Like, there was no need to, I mean, especially, like, you don't have a backup big. Right now, it's what? It's Jordan Nawara and Bobby Portis and Giannis as kind of the bigs, I guess. Yeah, but, like, you're going to need someone to get some spot minutes, right? Giannis,
0: of course, plays the five at crunch time and most of the game, but... But, I don't know. But we they're...
1: also know Giannis historically can't play forty-four minutes of playoff game. He can't. No. So so we've already seen this plan. We're we gonna run, we run Sp- Thanasis out there. Like what yeah. are we doing? Like what's their plan? Yeah. So where you're Jamaka, right. There, there, I guess?
0: there are a lot of signs of concern, but at the same time, you know, the way Giannis ended last postseason, like we do have to, you know, I had to give him his credit. We do have to think of him as even if he's not exactly like Shaq. Think of him, start to think of him more along those lines and that he's going to give them a chance no matter what. Um, and I, no other player in the Eastern Conference except Durant has that kind of ability. So
1: so is Chris Middleton or Grayson Allen Kobe in this example? <laughs> Chris Middleton, I guess. I guess so. He had some big shots last post in the finals. The saddest Kobe of all time. Um, <laughs> no, I like Chris Middleton. I had him on my all-star team. You didn't, so... That's true. Um, But yeah, I think, look, they're still doing the same limiting threes, all those kinds of things, playing with a lot of same, the bud principles, but just the fact that they have um, a big hole missing from a rim protection standpoint, because Giannis can't play the five all game is going to weigh on them. Yep. Um, All right. Sounds good. And Drew, Bobby Portis has been kind of amazing this year. Yes. Um, like he's averaging 16 and nine. Like, I don't think people realize, and he's like on a bargain basement deal. I really hope he gets paid. He kind of chose to stay back just to be part of the winning culture, but I hope he gets that big money deal. Cause he's totally changed the profile of player. He was from the early Chicago days where he's a bit of a head case.
0: Yeah. That, that was a surprise when he took that deal, but it's worked out amazing for the bucks and maybe even amazing for him. Cause he can, he's in line for a good payday now. So
1: Absolutely. All right. um, Next up, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've actually talked about this team a few times in the context of Mobley (laughs) and even like the all-star selections of Allen and Garland. So don't have to spend a ton of time here, but, you know, they're continuing to play well. They're 19th on offense, which is a problem, but fourth on defense and seventh in net rating, 36 and 25. And, you know, they continue to be like, hey, defense is our our identity and we're going to run off of that. Kevin loves have been a of revelation off the bench. Um, you know, the, the Karis Lavert trade is had sort of, he's kind of still being integrated, but it gives them one more shot creator from the perimeter. Um, and hopefully Garland can get healthy. He's missed some games in, in recent years, but in recent weeks, I should say, but question about Cleveland, I guess there's no question because I know they're going to lose in round one. Um, but, <laughs> but if they were to win in round one, who's that ideal matchup for them? Okay, so the most
0: ideal matchup is. To and am play... I being
1: too mean to them, by the way, by saying that? No,
0: I I think they're gonna lose from round one. Um, the way they the path to winning, they get the four seed, and the Celtics are in the five seed. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, they they've got the big man depth to give the Celtics issues. Um, now the Celtics are a good defensive team. We're gonna talk about them next, but I I think that's the one team that doesn't scare me. Um, if I'm the Cavs. And any other team, like the only other possibilities for them, you know, are all the contenders we talked about, like unless the Raptors make a run and get into the four or five spot. But I mean, let's be honest, the only team could be this Celtics that they even have a chance against.
1: The Celtics are interesting because and we're going to talk about them in a second. Their defense is outrageous. But if you're already bad offensively, how much more can the defense be as an advantage? (laughs) And they have a lot of long players to bother Tatum and Brown into a bunch of dumb shots and to kind of neutralize Robert Williams and Al Horford down low on the boards. That would be a fun series. Is that the NBA TV series you think? Oh, hundred percent. Are you kidding me? Okay. Yeah. Unless, um, I I mean, who's like, if those were the two teams, I think Chicago, Toronto would get some NBA TV uh, action maybe. No, Chicago's a major media market, just because the other four teams have the superstars. Kevin Durant's not fucking looking at NBA TV. (laughs) Neither is Giannis, and neither is Embiid or Harden. Isn't there usually only one series on NBA TV? I think one per conference, but depending on the lineup, sometimes multiple teams might catch a game on there. Yeah, I actually find it hard
0: to see what team it would be on the West, but East, definitely the Cavs.
1: The West, it really depends on the matchups, but I could see like a Nuggets, uh, Jazz, maybe. Still it won't be it won't be Steph, we know this. It likely won't be Luca. And Ja, would be you think they absolute, won't do it to Jaw either, right? I mean they would be idiots too, but you never know with Memphis and sort of I don't it's hard to tell outside of the echo chamber of my Twitter timeline, like what the national appeal is on Ja yeah. right now. I mean, I know what I think of him and what all the people I follow think of him, but I just don't know what his like stature is yet. Well not the um, common casual kind of fan. Because the Timberwolves they should be they should rename the team to the Timberwolves presented by NBA TV because that's prime time, but that as of be, now they may play the uh they're they gonna play, play the
0: Warriors the, or the Suns or a, a team or that Memphis. Will definitely Well
1: or they Memphis. might play Memphis, so I
0: don't know what they would do with that series. No, two there's small three markets. games behind the Nuggets. They I mean they could, but they got some. No, no, no,
1: I'm saying in the two seven.
0: Oh, because Memphis is going to catch up to Golden State. They, they right. may, yeah. I mean, Golden State's that been would, struggling. You know what? That's going to be your NBA TV series
1: for sure. Guaranteed. But if you put Ja on NBA TV, like how incredibly dumb is that?
0: Yeah, but against the freaking Timberwolves. Like, that's...
1: I think you got to throw Utah in there, man. We don't want Gobert's ass anymore. <laughs> but but Utah at least has U- been in the postseason a lot If more, it's Utah-Dallas, like Luka's a guy, like that would be also yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, all right, sorry, we got way off topic. But Cleveland. Okay, so um yeah, you were saying Celtics are the one team that you think that they have a chance to beat.
0: Yeah, and look, Cleveland is a great story, but let's uh you know Karis Levert has not you're right, no. he hasn't gotten fully acclimated, but his shooting is still really bad and yep, um he can create shots, sure, but are they gonna go in? That's the problem. So
1: I've also been hurt. He's only played four games
0: for them. Um. Yeah, small sample. He hasn't shot well in any of those games, I don't think. No. Maybe one, but um. yeah, we've talked a lot about that. Good story. Love has been a revelation uh, off the bench. You know, they're getting contributions from a bunch of different guys, but
1: you know. Hey, shout out to Kevin Love though, who took a lot of shit from a lot of different places on the internet, including this podcast, and he's come back and played really well. 14 and 7 and shooting 39% from three. And basically, if Tyler Hero hadn't won this award in November, he would be a reasonable candidate for six man. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean he he deserves a lot of credit. But you know what? It's easier when you're winning. Like that's like I think I True. think about this all the time. I think about all the players on the Kings and what they would have looked like if they're on a winning team and we saw with Kevin love, like a, a awesome superstar player when things are not going well, it can change a lot. And the same thing with Harden, right? Some of these guys, man, they can turn it on when things are going well. And so I'm happy for love, but it's just funny that we thought we we're not going to get anything out of him. And now he's become a key cog to a winning team again. So
1: yeah. And he gets to rebuild his image. Um, we can all forget what he did. The last Exactly. Years. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's move on to Boston. They've been one of the best teams in the league for the last basically two months. Um, still middling offense, 16th, but second in defense and first for the last, again, since January 1st, and first in net rating since January 1st. They're actually fourth overall, and like you alluded to, are a darling of all of the advanced stat projections. I think 538 has them as the best chance to win the title. Um, so does the ESPN BPI 538 has a North of 20% chance to win the title, which is, um, pretty amazing, but they're 37 and 27 first year coach. Eme Udoka, he was much maligned. Let's leave it at that the oh, first yeah. like month of season. People were calling for his left and right. And look, there was a little bit of racial undertones there too, because they had made a commitment to hiring a minority candidate. And you can imagine what the fans in Boston thought of his rotation the first month, but. He's figured it out, man. Um, it helps that Tatum has not shot like ass the whole year and has actually improved a little bit. Helps that Jalen Brown um, has come back to the lineup and he's continued his strong play. And I think it really helped that I think the Derek White trade was was really important because if they went all in on defense, they had to get guys like Dennis Schroeder out of there, Josh Richardson, who used to play defense and just isn't that good anymore. And they have an eight man rotation pretty much that they roll with and all of them are plus defenders it is impossible to score on this team if you look at that Atlanta game from last night they were Atlanta was up 15 going into the halftime they erased that in 5 minutes because of just stops turnovers rebounds threes like it was amazing to watch and i don't know like you put them up against Cleveland is the most likely to to lose. I could see them going all the way to the conference finals with this kind of defense. And, and, a, and a you know borderline tier one superstar in Jason Tatum. Look, the defense bodes really well for them. Obviously, the reason they're an up in all
0: these models as a high probability of winning the finals is because their defensive numbers are off the charts good. Um, especially when you're isolated for the last, whatever, like two months or something. Mm-hmm. Now, all that being said, man, this is a, this is a team with the same problems on offense, right? I know they're all about the defense, but we've seen this version of the Celtics so many times. Now, we swap a couple pieces. You bring in a Derek White, but, you know, you bring in a freaking shooter. But we've seen the Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. And we've seen what happens in the postseason. Um, it devolves into one-on-one basketball, and and Tatum has taken a step forward this year. But I, I just don't trust them enough offensively when things slow down in that half-court offense to get buckets. I don't care how good their defense is. They're going to go up against Durant. They're going to go up against Harden and Embiid. That defense is not going to win them multiple playoff series. Um, maybe round one, yes. But I just think it's a good story, and it bodes well for Emeo Udoka, Udoka, Udoka. Like That's mm-hmm. the... Thing to take away from this, but this roster needs retooling. Still, I think they need one more offseason of swapping out some parts. Shooter's not going to be there beyond this season, right? Um, He's gone. He's in Houston. Oh, what do I keep saying, Shooter? Uh, but Marcus Smart might not be though, depending Smart on how the playoff
1: run go. Yeah,
0: Smart won't. Um, a lot of these guys. This roster is going to look different. So to me, this is not the year. I think they should be pleasantly surprised with how it's gone. The defense and Tatum, but. It's not happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, the worrisome part about Tatum is he's basically increased his field goal attempts every year of his career, and his field goal percentage has come down every year of his career, uh, almost. So, <coughs> excuse me. So there's there's always a concern of like, okay, this type of shot chucking, unless you're Kevin Durant, is not going to work. Um, and it's ugly some of those nights where he's shooting like five of 18, and he just keeps chucking because he doesn't really know what else to do. And you know, Jalen Brown wants to do the same, and everybody's trying to get their market smart. It's like, no, nah, this is actually my role. Let me do this. And so you're right. Offensively is where you would have to point. Defensively, they'll at least stay in enough games, but maybe it's just it's too hard to control the great offensive players are going to face night to night in the playoffs that you have to be able to match baskets with them, especially in the this day and age where it's not the 05 Pistons winning games 75, 67. This is a different brand of basketball. Um Although they've seriously been impressive with how efficient their defense has been and how suffocating they are, I also think at a certain point, great defense goes so only so far when you're talking about great one-on-one players like a Harden or Kyrie or even a Giannis, who's a different kind of one-on-one player but still can get to the basket at will. so. I actually think this Boston story has turned around quite a bit. It looked like it was DEFCON 1 um in like mid-December. So credit to them for, for doing it. I think they would be foolish, let's just say, to trade a Tatum or a Brown uh, without seeing this through as much as you can until one asks them out really. Uh, so I'm glad they didn't make any type of panic moves like that. But maybe you're right. I think one more offseason build around Tatum. Brown and Robert Williams. And I think everyone else can kind of be uh, expendable parts on the edges. I don't even think Brown's off the table.
0: Depends what you get. If
1: that player is Damian Lillard, I don't think that moves the needle for him that much. I just don't. Maybe not Dame, but my point is the value of Brown is so high.
0: A good wing player can play solid defense. Can, you know, like can create his own shot. Like that value of that guy is so high. And given how young he is, you can get some interesting pieces back. Um, I don't I haven't thought about potential Jalen Brown trades, but I think if you lose again this year, let's say they lose in the first round or don't get very far in the second round, like what are you gonna rebuild around Jay Tatum and Brown for? It's gonna be more stuff on the fringes again. Like how about that's how also about not gonna J- move the needle.
1: How about Jalen Brown to San Antonio for DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson? That's not bad. I actually All think I'm, Boston can ask for more. I'm obsessed with DeJounte Murray. I don't know if I've made that clear enough. No, we I didn't. just I just need him to be more involved in my life, either playing for the wizards or moving in with me and noobs. Like one of those two options like has to happen. <laughs> he can take care of Winston. Know, I, yeah. I don't know how I can have him just be more active in, in my day to day. If any team that's looking at at him, I would give up the farm. I love Dejounte Murray.
0: Yeah, all these guys. Once I get him out of San Antonio, Demar Derozan, even Derek White, it's nice to see him on a different team and, and and contributing. It's like
1: let's get Dejounte Murray somewhere where we can actually watch his games. How many more years does Pop have, man? This is getting kind of sad. I I think he
0: should call it quits, but I don't. I don't know. Like I think after this year, like what? What's the point? What's the point of just doing this every year with the Spurs, like in that tenth, eleventh spot? Name-
1: so they made the playoffs the year DeRozan was there, his first year. Did they or did yeah, they not? They did, but they were like an eight seed and they lost. Around they one made night. it with
0: like this, the DeRozan Aldridge. Yeah, they team. did right. Yeah,
1: but they only made it once, I think. So they've really only made it once since the Kawhi trade, which is I like,
0: think so. Maybe. To me,
1: felt like the final nail in the coffin in a way. Have they missed the postseason the last two years? Let me see. Yeah, because they were in the bubble and they didn't make it. Finished 10th last year, 11th the year before, 7th in 2018-19, yeah. So that was the year that uh, they lost in the seven games to the Nuggets.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, they pushed
1: the Nuggets to the brink. I remember that. Davis Bertans was on that team. (laughs) Shout out. I mean, look, DeRozan averaged 21 on four. 48% 48% from the field, except he's doing that now, but is at 29 somehow. Yeah, he's just up the the volume. But Paul Gasol uh, was on that team, by the way. Jesus, it feels like he's been out of the league for a long time now. Yeah, he didn't play in the playoffs, but he was on that team uh, in the regular season. My God. Actually, you know... Where's my boy, DeJounte? Oh, this was the year DeJounte, I think, was out with the ACL. So he didn't even get to join mm-hmm. this dream team that they had going on. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, Boston. We'll see. We'll see. I think a deep playoff run. I think at least winning one series, they'll bring back both those guys. If they get knocked out round one, they probably look long and hard at trading Jalen uh, Brown. Tatum nope. is, I assume, untouchable. Yep. All right. Agreed. Next up, Toronto Re- oh, I didn't ask a question for Boston. Uh, was Enos Cantor Freedom is he being blackballed um in the NBA? I think so. I and actually do. So, too, so, man.
0: Like I actually I, do too. And I look, look, I don't want to get into all the politics of it, but this guy, you can't just like <laughs> he has been so vocal and not only vocal about all the things he believes in, vocal criticizing LeBron criticizing you know how other players have been speaking this guy's been running off his mouth so much added on to the fact that he's not that good of a player to to put up with all that and he's gonna be a problem in the locker room yeah he's getting blackballed but i I don't feel bad for him
1: I can't even... You're going to get canceled. I can't even say anything right now. That's
0: fine. You're always telling me that I'm the one trying to cancel
1: you. Look, he is probably getting blackballed. Uh, he's not very good, but he's productive enough to, to be on an NBA team. Uh, I think it's it's a good thing that he's speaking out. He's doing so in maybe not the best uh, way, but we also, you know, it's all perspective and opinion. A lot of people thought Kaepernick wasn't doing it in the best way, but we don't feel that way, right? So. There is always a, you know, an element of that. But nonetheless, I think he'll be back in the NBA next season. I just don't think there's a home for him because on a playoff team, he does not project to be in part of any rotation, just given his defensive limitations. Um, and that's probably more a reason than anything else. Hey, John Wall's being blackballed too, and he doesn't even say anything. He just kind of <laughs> chills and says, yeah, I accept my fate as a former NBA player. Yeah.
0: Look, look, I'm I, I'm okay with Enos Kanter speaking out, right? But the the when you're at the bottom of a roster and not even really considered as a playoff rotation guy, you know the the small things, right? And it's not a small thing, but there are many reasons a team will choose not to start you. And he's given teams plenty of reason, you know, whether it's right or not, whether you believe it's right or not, they don't want to deal with the the controversies, the backlash, the distraction in the locker room may not be right, but that's just like it it was very predictable. We all saw this coming.
1: Yeah. Um absolutely. By the way, I just I just uh opened Twitter for a second and I saw a stat that I'm sure you know, but I think it's worth mentioning for the broader public. The loss by the Sacramento Kings tonight extends an amazing streak. Winning seasons in Sacramento with Rick Adelman as coach. Eight seasons in eight years. Winning seasons in Sacramento with anyone else as the coach. Zero Zero. in 29 years. Um, And, of course, prior to those 37 years, they were in uh, Rochester and then St. Louis. They won the title in 1951. Don't forget. In Cincinnati with Oscar Robertson played there in the 60s for this franchise, technically. That is really something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this on one of the earlier pods, but yeah, it's outside of Rick Adam in 29 seasons, zero with a winning record. I mean, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the Kings franchise, then I don't know. Which they're actually, they're demolishing Arco Arena. um, I saw that. In in six months. So they're doing a farewell party, I think like next week or something.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's sad because that's the only kind of remnants of the golden era we did have. And that's... It's getting destroyed. So
1: are you going to the I party? talked
0: about it with some buddies, like it might be fun, but it's like I don't know. These things they sound cool, but what are you gonna do? It's like hold up just a couple
1: going. foam figures and like foam fingers and like Chris Weber jerseys. There's
0: no game going on. There's just like some food trucks outside the arena. It's kind of a depressing scene and we're just all talking about the, the good old. And vibes. then
1: they detonate <laughs> the building and you just hope <laughs> that you're also in, your in the yeah. Oh uh, that- you take part of the Rose rubble home with, with you. you. I was going to say you're in the rubble and it just ends. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of Kings fans would take that, especially after yeah, watching right. the game tonight. Like just um, all right. Last, that last up seventh seed Toronto Raptors, 34 and 27. They've been on fire over the last two months. I'd say not even on fire, but they started out well below 500 have settled in 10th, offensively fifth, 15th, defensively and 13th net rating number one takeaway as someone who is frequenting FanDuel is I the entire Toronto Raptors team is on my do not bet list because on a given night, you have no freaking clue. Is it Van Vleet? Is it Siakam? Is it Ananobi, Barnes, Gary Trent? All of them can go off for 25. All of them can have six. So a good problem to have in terms of depth. I think Siakam has really kind of rebounded from a lackluster season uh, and really lackluster since the bubble playoffs, and you know Van Vliet has his first All Star appearance this year, so it's a good story. And Nick Nurse is you know top five coach in the league, I think, at this point, and he's just able to, try to churn it out. But um, I as of now, they're they're likely going to be a play in team um, or right at the cusp. I think they're um, let me see, they're they're seventh right now, so there should probably stay ahead of Brooklyn unless Durant comes out like gangs gangbusters. But what do you expect from this team in the playoffs? And I guess what stands out to you about, about their resurgence? Nothing.
0: They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. That being said, I just love, this is kind of the team we've always dreamt about the, the team of long boys, just a lot of length interchangeable parts. Like you said, guys, you know, you don't, expect one guy to go off more so than another guy in any given game. Like, yeah, you have Fred Van Vliet, who's kind of consistent and Siakam to some extent, but they've got a bunch of role guys, Scotty Barnes. It's just a fun team to watch because on paper, right, if they had a little bit more star power, this would be devastating in the postseason. Just fully switchable, um, really stout defensively. You have a good coach in Nick Nurse. I'd love to see them with a slightly better team. In a postseason series, but the reality is they still don't have enough talent. You know, Scotty Barnes, the way he's been uh, developing this year, could be could be that guy. I still think they should maybe trade Siakam. Um, I think, still think Siakam he also rebuilt a little bit of that value, which last year was kind of the year from hell for the Raptors. You know, playing in Tampa, Siakam was openly feuding with Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. I actually think they can still make some moves with this team to to get them to a place where they can really contend in a year or two. But this version of it, it's a nice story. They're not going anywhere. Maybe a first-round upset, but even a first-round upset, you're asking them to beat one of the top, you know, maybe Chicago
1: you could beat, but you're not beating the Heat. You're not beating the Bucs. You're not beating the Sixers. I think, I think that's true. It seems like there's becoming a haves, there's have-nots that we're just sort of including the Nets into that they, even though they don't really deserve. But at the very least, there's three teams you would comfortably rank ahead of this Toronto team. Like you just said, Bucks, Sixers, and Heat. And then a few more that are right in that same tier, even if you want to throw the Celtics, Nets, and... Um, Bulls. The Bulls in there. They're going to get squeezed out, but it's pretty amazing, I think, that they've pivoted off of losing... Kawhi, then losing and making the conference finals or conference semifinals then losing lowry and again staying staying in the mix and and likely going to make the playoffs scotty barnes is one of those guys that only the good franchises seem to fall into this kind of luck you know they have one bad year because they freaking are relocated to tampa and they have to play out of there get the number five pick what happens sorry uh number four pick and Everyone expects him to take Jalen Suggs. No, they go with Barnes. You know, that's obviously not luck, that skill. But he looks like a future star. Like, this guy is a do-everything menace defensively. And offensively, his game's really coming around. He had 25 the other night. Then he had t- career-high 28. Like, it's starting to work and make sense for him. Um, shootings is still not all, all the way there. But 15-8, and eight, three assists, like, that's pretty damn good from, like, a stretch four kind of Potential center, small ball five, and I love the fit with all their length and their wings. They're going to give a team hell in round one, but probably not going to advance further than that. So I want to say something about Scotty Barnes now. Don't jump out your seat, right?
0: But a guy like Scotty Barnes, in some ways, reminds me of Giannis. In this sense, a guy like Giannis goes into the draft. He's lanky. He's got tools, but you don't know how raw he is, how fast he'll develop, etc. So he goes later than you expect. Scotty Barnes, I know, went higher, but most people thought he would go a little bit later because he was a very raw prospect, Florida State, no big pedigree. But when he flashes this early and often in a rookie season and given his size, he's the kind of guy who could become like a devastating two-way player. Now, he's not going to be honest, right? But I, I think the trajectory of this guy can be extremely high. And that is super promising for Toronto. It's why you make a move like this. Like a guy like Jalen Suggs, I think, will be a solid player, but does yeah. he have the ceilings of Scotty Barnes? No. Right. So um this it worked out well for Toronto. And Fred Van Vliet. Look, Fred Van Vliet's great, but he has his limitations, right? He's not gonna be your he can't be the best player on mm-hmm. a championship team. He could be your Kyle Lowry type. But you're gonna need guys like Scotty Barnes, uh, you know OG Ananobi too, has been good. But um,
1: it's not their year, but they actually have all of the pieces, especially with some type of progression from Barnes to become yeah. a threat in future years, and that's fine. Um, Your boy Chris they can even <laughs> honorable mention, top forty. They can even, they can honestly even trade Siakam because he's starting to age out a little bit in terms of what exactly. they're trying to do. Um and build around like if you look at I don't know, B. Barnes, Trent, those guys are 24, 20, 23. Precious Achua who's been okay this year, he's 22. You know, you have other guys that that Boucher is is actually 29. Holy shit. Um, but at least with Van Bleed and Siakam, they're 27, so you they're still have enough youth. But if you wanted to reset and get a bunch of assets for those guys, you could. Um you know, or you could keep one or the other. I know there have been a lot of trade talks about Siakam and, and Ananobi. So if you wanted to go get it, a, a player of a certain caliber, you could also do that. So I think they have a lot of options and they're happy with a first round exit because it doesn't mean that they can't get a blue chipper. They might have already got one last year.
0: Yeah, so this is just another case of a team that it's a nice story, but this year I don't think we need to expect much of them. That being said, right, the play-in, I'd love to see them in the play-in because one game, man, the play-in tournament, like I know we've seen it a couple years already, but I think this year the play-in tournament has more talent than usual. Yeah. Um, and with one game, that variance, like what if, what if the Nets went home? I don't know, bad shooting night from well, Katie dude, or
1: Kyrie. and Dude, as it's setting up right now, Kyrie can't play in either play-in game, right? Because he cannot play in Toronto and then they would host the loser the winner of the nine ten series and so he can't play there either. I didn't even think about
0: them <laughs> missing the playing game, but then yeah. Both and then you're relying games. on Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant to win you a
1: and we don't know if Ben Simmons back soreness is gonna be fixed by the Did you see did you
0: see the story that came out today?
1: Uh no, I I don't think so. What was it? They said it's gonna take longer than they expected. They're just trying to get him to miss the March 10th game. No, no, but they're
0: trying to get him to miss the March 10th game but not look like he's going to join right after. They're trying to set the expectation that he needs even more time so it it doesn't look like he's dodging the game.
1: So here's the big question. He is obviously dodging the game. That that much is is clear. He has been with the team, right? He was in Milwaukee. He was in other places. Is he going to go to the Philly game? No. He's going to be, like, rehabbing his back. So not only do they not want him to come back right after, they needed a reason for him not to be physically at that game. Even yeah, they're like, going to say
0: something flared up, he needs to sit out, and then he can't travel with them to Philly. Yeah. But, you know, like, I'd rather, I mean, if I was them or him, I'd rather get it done right now
1: than wait till the first time you play them in the postseason. Dude, if you can't...
0: But just if get it you, on your system, you, right? If
1: you are not able to to stomach a freaking regular season game with some fans that are going to boo you who by the way it's not like that team ever did anything or it's not like he did this in game seven of the finals it was freaking round two if you're not able to stomach that the fact is you already sat out six months because your feelings were hurt now you're not able to even go to that stadium like good luck man i don't know what the hell durant hitched his wagon to but you got the stone-cold killer on this one side, and you got Ben Simmons who's too scared to play basketball on the other side. I'm sorry. Like, look, I'll, I'll tee off on him because I think the entire operation is a joke. And I think that, you know, like you said, what are you going to go? And first time you enter Wells Fargo Center is game four, game three, I mean, or game one. It'll be game one. Yeah, it would be game one, right? What are you going to do? Just ship the seed? Bag. Yeah. And you miss your – Airball your first free throw, dude. They done. will
0: no player will get heckled louder than Ben Simmons in that
1: game. Like, Philly, when you combine the fact that it's Philly, yeah, with what he, what happened, with is happened it's... and with the fact that he's got like really, really big flaws to poke. Like, if it was a plant like Ky- Kyrie, right, Kyrie's not gonna care, he's gonna still hit shots, he's They're gonna still, still shooting, hit free throws, yeah. he's gonna still do what he does, he's gonna play the exact same. With Ben Simmons, you have no idea what you can expect offensively and at the free throw line. So, oh, man. I'm telling you, we need that series and we need Sixers Bucks. I don't care what order all this stuff happens in, but we need it all. And Heat Bucks. I want Heat Bucks, Sixers Bucks,
0: Sixers, Nets, all those. How is
1: that all going to happen? I don't know, but Wizards (laughs) Bucks.
0: (laughs) Wizards Bucks.
1: We actually play them pretty tough normally. Oh, my God. Um all right, the final team is the Nets. I almost feel like we have to give them an incomplete. I don't know what I like what do you like there's nothing to no. say. Like they haven't played yet.
0: There's nothing to say. We have to wait until Simmons comes in. The only thing to say is that how are they gonna weather this storm? Like how are they gonna weather this schedule? Um if, when is Kevin Durant coming back? T- tomorrow night. They confirmed it?
1: Yeah, he's playing tomorrow okay. night versus Miami, which is funny because they actually flex this game out for Boston-Memphis, which is a better game. They probably would not have done that if they knew Durant was coming back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Durant will come back. They've got some tough games on the schedule, but it's it's all about how they're going to weather it, right? Because, like you said, if they get down to that eighth seed and you're playing at Toronto and you don't get Kyrie, right? And I don't know, is Canada like planning to change that rule at any time? Like New York I feel like might by then, but
1: I think New York will. Um and for those this is the confusing part, but New York is dropping its vax mandate for the city on March seventh, but they still have the employer vet mandate. Yeah. In. So yep, yep. Kyrie can attend as a fan because they're not asking for vaccination status, but he cannot work for the Brooklyn Nets, a K play in home games without being vaccinated. So yep. that's that's kind of the current issue.
0: So I, I think for this team, it's all about, and then, you know, the danger is, and I, I don't think with, with Kevin Durant coming back now, they'll be fine. Because I was going to say, if you slip into the ninth seed, it's just, it's just var, var, variance. Sorry. You <laughs> have two games you have to win now at the play-in. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, it's not, dude, he's also by himself for, like, like you said, for the foreseeable future, except for the handful of games Kyrie can play. If you remember, Kyrie was only eligible for 10 of their last 29 games. So I don't know where we are in that life cycle now. This, this was, I think, right after the All Star break. So he's probably played in one or two since then, right? So he can only play in eight more games this season. <laughs> Simmons might not even make it to eight. Probably will, yeah. So I don't know, man. This team, like, you know,
0: will have to wait until Simmons comes in. And I know everyone is applauding them for winning this trade with Harden and getting picks and Simmons and Seth Curry is a big addition. They need shooting. But at the end of the day, they still lost in the sense that the Harden thing didn't work out. And this was a team that was projected to be the favorite this year to win it all with Durant, Kyrie and Harden. And now we're looking at a situation where Kyrie may not play in the playing game. You're worried about Simmons and his mental kind of fortitude against the Sixers. There's just so many variables that I, how do you trust this team going the distance? Like it's, you can't. it's very hard. So I, it's crazy man, it's crazy that it's come to this cuz in the beginning of the season, first 2 months,
1: remember they were tearing through the league. Yeah. One seed, two seed like So my question for you here, I have to ask a hypothetical cuz there's no actual real there's no there's, there's nothing real with this team. All I can go with is hypotheticals. But if Kevin Durant wins the championship this year, is it the hardest title ever won?
0: No, it's not.
1: Why? He literally is having multiple players like quit on his team midseason. Vax mandate. Ben Simmons. The fact okay, that because if he wins the title, they have to going to come from the eight seed and a play-in tournament.
0: If and he, he doesn't get t-
1: Kyrie in the playoffs, potentially.
0: No, dude, they're going to change that. If he okay, if Kyrie's not playing, if Simmons sucks, and they win a title,
1: yes. No, not if Simmons sucks. If all their players fall down, they're not going to win the title. Someone has to play well. Let's assume. Simmons plays really well, but Kyrie can't play home games. I mean, I guess
0: you're putting all kinds of hypotheticals on it. Like, yeah, sure. That means Durant must have balled out, right? He must have been averaging like 30, 35 points a game. In the first half, maybe. They need
1: more than that for a whole game. Yeah, but even then, I want to know their path, right? Because, look. Okay, their path is Miami round one. Uh, Let's just say Boston round two and then either Philly or Milwaukee in the conference finals, and then Phoenix in the finals.
0: Yeah, but then if you go through, like, my point is, the first round they could be playing, let's say, the Bulls, right? Um, We're not that impressive. And then if you're playing the Cavaliers or Celtics, that's the path for them. They get some breaks in the scheduling to get to the finals. But they're not, they're not going through a gauntlet. They're not going through, for example, Miami, then Milwaukee,
1: then Philly. Like if they did is, that. I actually think this is fascinating, right? Because you said Philadelphia is what half a game back of Chicago, half a game, yeah. So let's assume they get the two seed. I don't know that they're going to get to one because Miami's healthy and should keep winning. It's likely that if Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant are healthy and playing in that Toronto game, they will beat the Raptors. Even though it's on the road, no Kyrie. I still like yep. Kevin Durant. Yeah. That means very much immediately round one, we're getting Philly, Brooklyn. It's very possible. It almost seems like the most, like if you ran all the simulations, it seems like it would be the one that has the most uh, results. Probably. Yeah.
0: Because you have to assume the Raptors and Nets are kind of locked in that seven and eight, and it'll
1: be tough for the Nets to catch up. Yeah. Charlotte's kind of imploding, and so is Atlanta. So I don't think that either team is going to catch the Nets at 8. Yeah. And actually it doesn't
0: matter if they finish 7
1: or 8 because as long as they win that game they get right. the 7 seed. And You're Kyrie right. can't play in either direction. So it's more likely that he could play if it was in Brooklyn. It's you know, New York is is probably going to loosen that rule up before Canada does.
0: Yeah, he'll be I think he'll be able to play in the Sixers Nets series. The only question is like you said Canada. But that being said, I never thought about it like that. I'm going to be watching the schedule very intently. I don't even think that they could play in the first round, but it's a
1: yeah, it's a distinct I mean, possibility. If the NBA gods have done us anything, like they gave us all the Ben Simmons content in the world, all the James Harden content in the world, can we coalesce all of that content around an actual real life basketball playoff series versus this theoretical concept of trade demands and trade requests and fake trades? Like, let's get to the real basketball game one. Ben Simmons, hack a Ben, and he goes up there and he shoots like 12 of 14 from the free throw line. That would be kind of insane. But anytime you wish for something like that, the NBA gods never never reward you, right? No, we had getting Cleveland, Brooklyn, and then Philly, uh, Toronto. Yeah.
0: I mean, we wanted Kobe, uh, LeBron, it never happened. We wanted the Lakers, Clippers, the first year of the Kawhi, Paul George team,
1: never happened. Well, the crazy thing about Kobe, LeBron, is they went to the finals like... I mean, dude, they went in 07, 08, 09, 10, 10 11, 11, 12, 12 13, 13, 14, 14 15, oh, like 60. <laughs> so they yeah. went like 10 straight years when they were both in the league and somehow never, never, I mean, granted, seven of those were LeBrons and Kobe wasn't good at the tail end, but in their primes, five straight years. Yep. I don't know how that happened, but um, all right. Well, that's a wrap. Eastern Conference, so much fun. So many big games down the stretch. I can't wait to see, like you said, some of these teams start to play each other and jockey for playoff position because it's all so close. That is a wrap for us this week. Uh, Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Please follow us on social media. We will talk to you next week.